Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello? Hello? <clears throat> Podcast Network Asia. Network Asia. Welcome to She Talks Peace, a podcast that highlights the role of women peace builders around the world in bringing lasting peace and security to communities, eavesdrop on their communities and get to know their stories. From the Philippines to Malaysia, from Indonesia to Palestine, from Myanmar to the United States, their dreams and hopes for a world without violence and a world where every woman and girl can be whoever she wants to be. Hosted by Amina Rasul Bernardo, President of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy. This is She Talks Peace. Salam, dear listeners. This is Amina Rasul of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy, welcoming you to a special episode of She Talks Peace. And I am in Manila. And my dear friend... Hi, everyone. This is Dina Zaman from Iman Research. I used to host this together with uh, Amina. She talks peace, but I guess I'm on a break now. Hi, everyone. Hi, Amina. How's it going in Manila? Hi, Dina. So far, so good. But can you imagine that we have been podcasting for one year now? How time flies. Has it really been one year? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But this is the thing. You have fun, right, during the podcast? I had, I had, until work beckoned. But it was good. It was good all this while. Yeah, yeah because sometimes I wonder whether you and I were really working or just having fun. Chatting and occasionally gossiping yeah. <laughs> about our our leaders <laughs> with our friends. Yes, yes. No, I think that's what I liked about She Talks Peace. It wasn't a standard formal, you know, podcast that tends to make you sleep after 10 minutes, no matter how educational it is. I certainly, for me, I learned a lot from the women and men that we interviewed. Not really know had to go through what they have to do, so it's been it's it's been very educational. Yeah, you know one of one of the memorable episodes that we had was the one with Antelak of yes. Yemen. Yes, and she and she was talking about Islamic feminism. Yes, and I'm sure that many of our listeners didn't realize that Islam and feminism can be put in the same sentence. Yeah, I'm sure. There were also others. Do you remember the twins? The Lebanese <laughs> twin, twins that we spoke to? <laughs> yes. Nancy and her sister. The Kamikaze twins. Yeah, yeah. And then no, there were so many. I mean, uh, on Malaysia, we had Deborah Henry. Oh, there the was beauty just... queens. Oh, my goodness. The beauty queens. Yeah. 
Beauty queens with a purpose. But imagine, yeah? <sighs> one year, Amina, it was one crazy idea. You said, Gina, would you want to try? Okay, not knowing what it was all about. <laughs> yeah, the, the, our, our question was, yeah, what is a podcast? <laughs> And now, and now we know, and it's it's our way of having almost like a telephone conversation uh, with yeah. each other. But you know what, Dina? Yeah, I checked the statistics, and this last week, not seven days, we had listeners in thirty-two countries. Oh, not you bad. Know, not bad. So I guess we have to say salamat, shukran, merci. Dankeschön, arigato, and sheshe. Yes, yes. 32 countries. What were, what are the new countries? Uh, I can't, I, I can't remember. Oh, there was one from Taiwan. That's oh. new. Okay. That, that, that's kind of new. And you yeah. know what the most popular episode? Yes. That, that we have? It's still uh -huh. the first one with our former foreign affairs secretary, Delia Albert. And Indonesian Ambassador Artoli Tobing, who is now a member of the advisory board of the ASEAN Institute for Peace and Reconciliation. Oh, our listeners should listen to that. And I think, Dina, the reason why it, it's become like a, a favorite is because it's not just informational and insightful about ASEAN, but they told funny stories about the leaders who who started ASEAN. I mean, how many how many times can you have a conversation with somebody who was there when it happened? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Gosh, all the lessons I learned, uh, the glitches that we had, remember? I think Ibu Ruby of Amani Nisia, she was either on a Gojek or something when she did the interview. Remember that? But the lessons, the stories, you know, you, you start thinking... These are stories that should be documented, you know, not just on podcasts, but we'll talk about that another time. But yeah, yeah. Yes. We can, we can, we can do our, our memoirs <laughs> and write a little bit about everybody that we've had conversations with. But it, we really have to thank our, our mm -hmm. uh, global audience for yes. listening to our conversations because without them, then what the, What do they say? We are whistling in the wind. Agree, agree. Nobody, nobody, uh, nobody listening to us. By the way, um, my dear listeners, um, Dina mentioned earlier that uh, she's getting preoccupied with uh, matters in KL. So I'm very sad to say, that this is the last episode that my friend Dina will be co-hosting with me because Dina's organization, the highly respected think tank Iman Research, based in Kuala Lumpur, is now reorganizing. And I guess Dina really has to focus on that as well as continuing Iman's programs and advocacies. So tell us, how is Iman doing? Dina, what's, what's the future of uh, Iman? I think it's not just about the future of Iman, but also the civil society in Malaysia, yeah? Um, and I don't know whether this is very is similar, it's being experienced all around Southeast Asia. What I know is that 
you know, during COVID, COVID killed a lot of things, including funding. Oh, oh yes. We've all got to have to think like, all right, as you know, before Iman was a September had a company, that was how, that's how it is in Malaysia. So now we've got a non-profit uh, status. But with, you know, with funding being dried up, et cetera, et cetera. And also with, as I said, I mean, uh, we've had so many governments, right, in the last two, three years. So a lot of CSOs, not just Iman, but other CSOs, we're all talking, like, how do we survive? Where do we go from mm. here? I think also that in Malaysia, when we had think tanks, for example, yeah. they were all funded by the government. There has oh. Never- Oh, okay. Never an ecosystem for independent think tanks. That's one. Uh-huh. Two, for CSOs in Malaysia, they're either faith-based humanitarian ones, like Abib, Ikram, the churches. They will do humanitarian works and all that. Or the human rights-based, you know, NGOs. And it's not easy. And if you're humanitarian, it's slightly easier to stay afloat because people will always want to donate to the poor, to flooding, etc. But... If you're in human rights, pandemic, yeah. If you're in human rights or you do the work we do, philanthropists, donors don't exactly know what to make of us. Again, like I don't know how it's like in other countries, but to survive as a non-profit in Malaysia, you need operations costs, you know, funds, yes. pay yes. the rent, the bills, blah blah blah, right. and then you're pitching for for projects to do, you know, the, the work that you do. And in Malaysia, the idea of philanthropy is that if, if you're an orphan, I'll give you. If a country has been raised down by floods or fire, I'll give you money. So we don't have that American idea of philanthropy or European idea of philanthropy where I put the money to invest the intellectual wealth of a country. Right. Oh. But we don't have that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, I, I guess... Well, in many ways, I can I can see why donor community, uh, corporate uh, foundations veer towards what can be counted, because accounting. You know, you give a million, you give a a, a million dollars to an organization, and they tell you, "Oh, we vaccinated a million children in Africa," but I give a million dollars to strengthening democracy, and what can you count? So sometimes, yeah. you know, they're at the mercy of uh, of auditors. But you know, I guess, I guess you and I and our brothers and sisters who are in civil society, we have to really start thinking about sustainability. And I I, I agree with you. It's not just uh, Iman that's facing this or PCID, but uh, all of our friends in the different organizations do face this um, this very very real. Dilemma, you know. I, I actually, I actually uh, envy Deborah. Yeah. Because because what she's done with Fuji, right? Mm-hmm. Is that they, she started developing lines of jewelry and accessories, yeah. and the funds for that now, fu- you know, pays for the bill for the school that she has for um, uh, the the children of refugees. But, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm not that creative, Dina. Are you? Is there anything you can create and sell? Oh, Dina, your books and your poetry. You <laughs> could actually do that, you know, sell your poetry. 
as a fundraiser. Talking about this, Amina, I really must introduce you to Vidya. She was with uh, she was one of the founders of Every Woman in the United States, and my friend Millicent Bogart. A conversation that you know she talks speaks with talk, because what these two women do now is they mentor on a consulting basis or pro bono basis, mm. and they look how organizations can be better, from governance to communications. And you know what? One of the things I learned, she said, do you know? Even how you email people, right? Mm. If you see, you send an email to PCID, and it takes two three weeks to reply, right? It actually shows us a breakdown of system. We may think, no, no, we've been very busy. That's why we haven't. Right. But he said, think simple as that. You know, if you don't have a turnaround of forty eight hours, you have to see what's going on there. It could be that you don't have enough resources. That's why the staff is like. Oh, I'd rather be in bed. I don't really. And I just, I'm really, really fascinated by how they looked at this. I will definitely introduce the both of you to them, and you can interview, you know, interview them, because they're very big on the women, peace, and security agenda. But they also teach us how to govern. And they said once you have the systems in your in the NGO CSO in place, right, and that's how you can create the language for funding. But it's a tough, long exercise, but I think it's worth it. And I'm sure our sisters, you know, the peace builders all around the world, would be very happy to learn about this. That's good. That that sounds like a a great idea. At my age, I still need mentoring, Dina, especially about especially about about, about you know running a civil society organization that has problems with resources. I think, you know, yeah, um, all of us do. Because yeah. when we all, it was out of passion, great. You know, we've done good things, you know. I mean, uh, but then three, four, five years later, they go, hey, hey, we've done everything's backwards. Now, how do we improve on this? Mm. You know, so, yeah, I'm going to set that up. I'll set an email up for all of you to chat. Well, you know what, Dina? My, my, my mother, when uh, she would talk, to us, my brothers and sisters and I, that she would always focus, especially if, if we were saying, oh, you know, we're, we're too tired. And besides, you know, we can, we think on our feet and, you know, because yeah. we, we thought we were intelligent, Tina. So and my mother would always say, but, you know, children, success is only 1% inspiration and 99% perspiration. The lesson that we really took from her, you may have a brilliant idea, but if you don't put in the hard work, it's going to come to nothing. So I guess, you know, the the women that you were talking about and, you know, the the example that you gave about the unanswered email, that's uh, also a sign probably that potential donors are looking at uh, thinking, hey, these people don't realize the value of communications and they're not putting 99% perspiration in the nitty-gritty of, uh, of running things. So you can't get by on brilliance, Dina, or, or beauty. <laughs> You know, look, I'm just, I'll talk to, you know, uh, what they call that, to uh, Millicent and all, and see, even if it's not a she talks piece, I say, look, is there a way we can all have a chat and you tell 
you know, our friends here who want to listen and say, how do we make things better? It's just fascinating. We've only done one session, but that was enough for me to think, oh, we should have done this. But hang on, Dr. Aisha just wrote, right, that her Rohingya school in Penang had to close down at the end of 2021. And uh, they have a peace learning center in Penang Island. They started this in 2013. Yeah, shall we get Dr. Aisha, you know, to hop oh, maybe, on? Maybe, yeah. maybe a, um, a little... A little later, let's okay. uh, let's have yeah. Doctor Ayesa comb her hair <laughs> <laughs> because, dear listeners, we are now uh, visually we we, know, we can now be seen. Uh, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. But uh, Ayesa, I guess, has finished combing her hair. So okay. let me just let me just say, dear listeners, why we are bringing on Ayesa first, because yeah. since uh, Ina is going to be focusing on Iman, Ayesa yeah. has very kindly accepted our invitation to co-host. So yeah. she's going to co-host for a month, Dina. Ayesa, of course, was our guest last week, uh-huh. and. Uh, she's a professor, she's an educator, as well as a peace and gender advocate. Welcome, Ayesa. Hi. Hi, everyone. Hi, Dina. Hi, Amina. Yeah. So nice tell us about you. the background. Why is that your favorite? Yeah, uh, that's uh, Mount Kinabalu. Oh, Kota Kinabalu. Uh, yeah, so that, this is in Kundasang area. Kundasang has a, it's a, in the mountains, and then it has a cold climate, so it's a good vacation place right. for everybody here in Malaysia. So Kondasang is famous, and of course uh, Mount Kinabalu. Yeah, you know, you but know just, what? I was just thinking, Ayesa and Dina, because Dina and I were talking about sustainability. What if we did like peace tours, Dina, and we bring them? To Kota Kinabalu and bring them up the mountains on a trek. And uh, at night, I guess I would have like a, a peace workshop. Would that be fun, you think? You think we could make money off that? Get some revenue for our our advocacy work? If you do it properly and we get paid what we are worth, uh, you know, we have to very strange funders. I mean, I remember. But no, I think we can do something like that, which we'll have to do offline, you know. Uh, discuss offline. I think you can. And I've got some ideas because I think there's a lot of stories here. It's just a, mat- a matter of effort and getting people to pay for this, you know. But uh, yeah, this is something we should explore. You know, dear listeners, um, now you you hear a little bit of the struggles that we who are in civil society have. Advocacies are never ending uh, requirements. We need to be out there working with communities, speaking out. But yeah. you know, for a car to run, you need gasoline. So I'm I'm really glad that uh, Dina has some really great ideas about how to make us sustainable, which we will discuss in private. You know, Dina, I'm really, really going to miss you as a co-host and thinking yeah. about saying goodbye to you. I remember a quote from Winnie the Pooh. You know Winnie the Pooh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. My favorite bear from A.A. A. Mill. 
And Winnie huh? the Pooh said, how lucky I am to have something that makes saying goodbye so hard. Oh, Dina, I want to cry. Oh, you don't, don't cry, don't cry. But no, I mean, I mean, I think we should say this is taking a break. I got to sort out all these things right now. And like, hi, yo. So I'm easing off a few things just to, you know, but as I said in the email, I'll follow up with, with certain things. One of the things which I would love to do, but sorry, uh, one has to survive and eat. Um, but I think this is something we all can work on. Writing for peace builders, not necessarily mm. experiences, but um, I used to conduct workshops about expressive writing, how mm. you feel that you have it doesn't have to become a book but at least it's out of your system and you know and we can do other things like okay is there a way we can turn this into a story we can do that too but i thought why don't we discuss this later and that's something we can still work on hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. What's right up? Yeah. Oh, and, and you know who would be a prime candidate for such a, a right shop because she has such an interesting storyline, political, social, and romantic? Ayesa. I'm not going to say right now <coughs> why that is, but um, talking about writing, I thought that perhaps as this is our, our first year anniversary, it maybe we can we can talk about quotes from distinguished people, uh, popular people, or people who are not known at all by by the yeah. world, and yeah. why they uh, inspired us to to yeah. do the the work that we do. I'm going to start, huh? Because uh, maybe many of our listeners. We'll be more familiar with this quote. And it's from John Lennon. Uh So I think maybe since I'm a senior citizen, I can be forgiven for taking such opportunities. I'm going to sing it for you in my awful voice. So Uh this is my favorite from John Lennon. Okay. Imagine all the people living life in peace. You may say that I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and the world will be as one. So that's that's my favorite quote from uh, 
John Lennon. And I guess in many ways that kind of encapsulates why I thought our podcast was a good idea. Because yeah. you, me, Ayesa, all our friends and colleagues who have been working on peace and security, women and human rights, democracy, we all dream of the world as a global village mm-hmm. where we, our families and friends can live happily. But, you know, sometimes yeah. when you you watch what's going on in Ukraine and uh, all the odd other awful developments in the world, you right. think it's so depressing. You feel so alone. Mm. But then you think about John Lennon's song and you're not the only one. So podcast allows us to reach out to other dreamers in the mm. world. So yeah. who knows, right, Dina? How about you? No dreams right now. Just <laughs> getting, you know, just managing each day. But I think that... Um, I think a lot of people have dreams. A lot of people have wants and desires. And I know that just talking to a few of our friends, the peace builders, right? There is also that, you know, wanting to be able to thrive while living in a conflict country. So there's a lot to write about and talk about. But for me, it's this, you know, one of the things, it is many, many years ago, I met this very wise woman, a family friend, and she's, she died already. And she said, you know, Dina, what you should do is lead an extraordinary life. And I remember mm-hmm. at that time, I was going, I was an editor mm-hmm. then, with Asa Kini, and going, ah, <laughs> you know, going, oh, what do you mean, extraordinary life? Life is already so hard. But I took to that quote, and honestly, I mean, uh, the two books I wrote, yeah, uh, I am Muslim, um, holy men, holy women, they brought me to all around Kuala, all around Malaysia. And uh, I just said, I don't think I'm going to give this up. This is, I actually saw a window to my country which very few people had seen. So it is, it's been an extraordinary life. And look, with Iman, when we did the seven years ago, we thought we were going to become an economics research think tank. Suddenly, ah, we're doing this. And yeah, here we are, seven years later. Oh. And it has been an extraordinary voyage for you, Dina, and still a ways to go. Oh, There's yeah. A, the, <laughs> the, the river is snaking every which way, so you haven't quite reached your, your goal yet. What about you, Ayesa? What favorite quote do you have, and why does it inspire you so? Okay, now you're going to tease me about it because I'm I'm too loyal as a wife. But my quote is from my own <laughs> husband, Professor Kapil Zaman. Oh, this is the love story, Dina. <laughs> okay, <laughs> because uh, when we started doing our peace building work in Aceh before, and uh, of course Mindanao, then Southern Thailand, you know, and this is a quote that I also wrote in my own book. Uh, which I published with Springer in 2019 on peace building and sustainable human development, the Bangsamoro quest for right to self-determination. So anyway, the, the quote that I picked up from him is uh, he said that peace building has to be built in the place or, or the roots uh, where the roots of the conflict is located. Mm. So it's not peace, no, not general peace, but the work of peace building itself. 
because as outsiders, like uh, for some of us who work in other conflict areas like Aceh, like Southern Thailand, you know, we are parachuting, you know, helping them uh, do the peace building activities. But in the long run, it's really the people there that's going to do the work. So we always have, as peace builders, we have to remind ourselves not to be all knowing and all too powerful yeah. and thinking yeah. that their world will not, you know, will not be any better if we are not there. That's yeah. a mistake that we would often commit. And we have to admit it to ourselves. So we go there, you know, we help them out and we help them, you know, sustain you know what what they started but it has to be them it has to be the people themselves who needs to do that peace building work and then as peace builders we also learn how to do our own exit strategy we should also plan ahead when do we step out you know because yeah. after all it's the people themselves who needs to own peace building so to me i have always lived up to that saying or that, that statement that anything that we do with other in, with other people in in other places we have to um, reflect on that and then we remember that it has to be owned by the people themselves and now you can you can see the love story dina of mm-hmm. ayesa yeah. she should really write that up so now i i, I understand sam uh, more more fully hey uh, sisters by the way I think we've got friends uh, outside who want to join us in our celebration of our first year. Shall we let them in? Yes, please. Okay. Hi, Jenny. Hi, Salma. So welcome, welcome, welcome. So far, we've got uh, Jenny here, Salma, Oli. I'm not sure if that's uh, Amporn. It looks oh, like hello. it. Hello, everyone. So glad you could join us. By the way, dear listeners, Jenny and Salma uh, have been our co-hosts when Dina or I couldn't make it. So welcome and thank you so much for being part of the She Talks Peace family. So oh, Jenny. Yes. What's your favorite inspirational quote and why? Oh, there's a lot. But, you know, with all the things happening uh, at the moment, at the same time, I'm reminded for years back, like I came onto this quote when I was still in high school, I think. I was reading about my favorite president, John F. Kennedy. And he was talking about peace in his, in his speech, one of his speeches. And he said that peace is a daily, a weekly a monthly process, gradually changing opinions, slowly eroding old barriers, quietly building new structures. And however undramatic the pursuit of peace, that pursuit must go on. So I love this quote because it's, um, you know, it's not always everything so fast and, you know, everything out there. There are peace building, peacemaking it's also about those quiet moments or moments where we are not in the spotlight, moments where, you know, you're like a duck where you're playing so, so well, but you, you know, on the, on, but on the surface, you look calm and collected, but you're really working so hard. So all of these things, I think, and of course it's a, 
it's a habit. Peace is a habit. So I really, really love this quote. I guess that's why they call it peace building, right? Stone by stone, step by step, we build, we build our our community. What about you, Mom Oyi? Oyi did to us is uh, probably one of our most respected and renowned peace and gender champions. Uh, not just in the Philippines. I mean, she's she's uh, done a lot of work in in uh, the the UN at New York as well. So, what's your favorite quote, Oyi, and why? Like uh, Jenny, I have so many, I have so many uh, favorite quotations. But uh, when it comes to peace, one one quotation really sticks out. No, and and that is that. Women should be at the center of the peace process. And uh, this, I think the program She Talks Peace illustrates that, that, that uh, women are not only at the center of the peace process, she's at the center of everything. No? And this is uh, what, what I can say uh, in the last year that we have had this program. I may not have been able to follow every podcast that there was, but the more important ones that I can remember is that you had featured, you know, um, uh, guests from Palestine uh, to Myanmar, to educators and and, uh, and lawyers, and and the the range of topics that have been, you know, uh, discussed by women, and uh, this really affirms this. The uh, the statement that I made that women are at the center of everything. Because can you imagine 365 days or even more than that? I don't know how many hundreds of podcasts we've had so far, but women have you know shown that they have contributed you know uh, to the maintenance not only of peace but uh, to the enhancement of education to uh, the. Uh, what they call this, to the reforms in politics as well as uh, in the justice system. So I can say that with really, that, that I'm really convinced that without women at the center of everything, especially in matters of peace, that progress will not really be possible. So I think that this is, uh, I think, uh, affirming that what uh, she talks peace have done the whole year is really something that we should continue because I can just imagine, you know, your efforts in getting all of this diverse, the variety of uh, women, persuasions, political perspectives. And I'm just so amazed that you have been able to uh, gather all of them. So this is something that really sticks to my mind that uh, you have been able to affirm that and to assert that women really play an important role in making things work you know, at every level and in every you context. You know what, uh, Oi, when you're saying women uh, should be is uh, at the center of uh, peace, you're absolutely right. But it really, Dina, don't you think it's, it's really weird that our leaders don't really recognize up to now? The, the value that uh, that women bring to to the table it's it's kind of weird oh Salma's back and since we're talking about justice 
Oh, you mentioned justice, Salma. So what's your favorite quote and why? There's several quotes, actually. But since um, I looked at some verses, because I'm looking at uh, Islamic law and jurisprudence, let me quote Surah Al-Furqan, which says, And the servants of the Most Merciful are those who walk upon the earth easily, and when the ignorant address them harshly, they say words of peace. This is similar This is similar to what Mahatma Gandhi said. Mm. An eye for an eye only ends up making the whole world blind. Yep. Yeah. And for the younger generation, the generation X, Y, and Z, those who grew up with Naruto. According oh, to Gama, what's Naruto? Naruto is an anima animated feature based on a manga that was the, uh, created by a Japanese artist and has gained popularity since the early 2000, 2006, 20, 20, up to now. Gara used to be a rival of the main character but became his friend eventually. And he says, peace under an illusion is not true peace. It is only meaningful if the real world manages to accomplish it. And of course, the main character, Naruto Uzumaki, says, to ingrain the history within the new generation will be the vital cog in helping to maintain the peace. So it ties up with how we should embed concepts of peace in our educational system because the young should the younger generation should know what is the importance of peace in their lives. And in most of our work with PCID, especially in conflict areas post-siege, like in Marawi and Zamboanga, we need to um, how to counter the, vis the visuals of conflict with concepts of peace and why, is it, why it is relevant when we help nurture the younger generation. Otherwise, they'll be, they'll be immune to conflict and think that that's their new normal. Yeah, but it seems like that is the new normal. You only have to listen to the language of opposing camps in the United States, for instance. I mean, civility is gone, words of peace are gone. It seems that the more violent your language, the more of an audience you have and the more following you're going to have. I, I Sometimes I despair. So I go back to thinking about John Lennon and imagining, imagining a world of dreamers. <laughs> oh, hi, I'm Porn. Hello. Hi, Amina. Hi, everyone. Welcome, I'm Porn. I'm Porn Mardent, um, Dr. Amporn Mardent of Thailand, is a member of the ASEAN Women for Peace Registry. And she works so hard, peaceful resolution of conflict, women's participation. And we worked hard in Bangkok a couple of weeks ago, and we also ate hard. We had so much fun eating 
Thai food. So what's your favorite quote of corn and why? Actually, there are varieties of, uh, of quotes that I love a lot. But there are two main quotations that I'd like to share here. Probably firstly from the Al-Baqarah, the Quran. It is about, it is mentioned in the, in Surah, in the, um, in the chapter, chapter two, I think, uh, the cow. Uh, it is mentioned about do not make mischief. This is the land that we need to, to build up peace. So we are peacemaker. Another issue, another quotation is uh, from anthropologists because um, grow up in this uh, and train ourselves in this area from Margaret Mead, and she said that never doubt that small small group of people or small group of the citizen who have thoughtful and committed can change the world. So these are quotations that impress my thoughtful and uh, life actually. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Thanks, Amporn. You and, uh, you and uh, Salma should uh, really be comparing notes more often. Because she also tends to look for inspiration in uh, in the Quran. Although I'm porn, unlike you, she can't read it in Arabic, so we rely on on English translations. <laughs> <laughs> but but sisters, you know what? She talks peace. Has conversed with peace builders from Asia to Africa to Europe and the United States, and. You know, in this past year, we've uh, really seen how much our global village is under stress, not just from the pandemics, but more and more armed conflict, like the Russian invasion of Ukraine, the rising hunger and poverty, environmental disasters. And then, of course, the, the news uh, that uh, the United States has killed the emir of uh, Al-Qaeda. That's going to have an impact. So you you sometimes wonder how how do we remain optimistic? We continue our work. We think you know you try hard. You can change the world even a little bit for the better because we begin with our homes and our communities. Are you optimistic? You think we can change the world and have a peaceful global community? What do you think, Mamoy? It's a question that uh, raises more questions than answer. actually. All of us here, especially those who have become seniors like myself, I can only reply by looking backwards no? and uh, appreciating uh, things from a uh, more or less a, a long-term and historical perspective. 
And I can tell you that when I was a teenager uh, and a student at the University of the Philippines, I was so impatient like many other student leaders then. We wanted to change the world yeah, today now, now. or even tomorrow. <laughs> so uh, revolution. <laughs> and now, uh, and, and so, yes, looking back and looking at all the kinds of demands and issues that we were raising, I thought that, wow, the way we thought was really so revolutionary and so long-ranging and, and really global because then we were connecting with the issue of war and peace, even then in the 70s, no? and this was during the time of the Vietnam War. And I have to say that that war really woke me up about the issue of peace, that even when it's happening you know, somewhere else, the Philippines was affected because we have the military bases here and many of uh, you know the weapons that are attacking Vietnam the Philippines. So I, I think that uh, looking back then and what we are doing now, I, I, it gives me some hope. No, it's not totally pessimistic. I was very pessimistic during martial law, and of course, having experienced the you know atrocities of martial law and the brutality and all the negativity there, I, I was so you know disappointed. But then again, after the 86 uh, period, you saw the emergence of a lot of women's groups. And not only in the Philippines, but the global women's movement and taking up every issue. And uh, I have to say that the issue of peace is, you know, uh, was taken up by women, not, 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 you know, uh, not uh, very long ago. No? And I think in the last 30 years, we have grown this kind of movement. So... Looking back at all the gains that uh, women have achieved so far gives me, you know, a level of hope that I didn't have when I was younger. And uh, also, first, looking at all of us, where of course, all of us are, many of us, like myself, senior, but I can see that the younger generation are also taking up these issues that we did not take up when we were younger. So there, there is hope, but at the same time, there is pessimism, that we're not moving fast enough. That's my frustration. We're not moving fast enough. And we have to deal with each step knowing that we can only succeed to a certain extent and then deal with the failures, the rejection, you know, the moving backwards at the same time that we savor the gains. You know? So I've learned to balance my perspective in that way because otherwise... You know, how can you proceed when we are so pessimistic? And, and as you grow old, you learn to appreciate that life is like that. It's plus and uh, negative, no? A plus and minus. And we only have to adjust ourselves and uh, to make sure that the next generation would be have a better, a better life than yeah. what we had. And then when, when you're pessimistic, it's really nice to reach out to the sisterhood. Right, because they're that's right. They say yeah. they're the wind yeah. beneath your wings, and they will inspire you when you're down. Wings, yes. so they'll feed you when you're hungry. Like you know what, Tina? Oyi's son makes a really mean ramen. So when you come to the Philippines, we have to have a meeting at Oyi's place, and you can, you can try. So you can try that delicious uh, ramen that Oyi's son makes. What about yeah. you, Dina? Are you optimistic? Yeah. About the shape of the world? Do you think we can 
change it? I suppose it's like this, Amina. In every century, every 10 years, there's always that cycle of violence and peace. Um, I suppose now it's more frightening because you've got to think about climate change, food security and all. I'm hoping that it's not just the peace builders, it's the average countrymen who stand up and say, we've had enough of this rubbish. I think we can. It's just that we've been battered too long, we've been tired, that's why we've been quiet. So I, yeah, but there are many ways of pushing for this. We've got to work with young children. Yeah. Um, at kindergartens, at primary schools. Oh, there's a lot of work there. Reach out to the young. Yeah. Hey, that's potential. Don't they do that in countries like China and Russia? Except in their case, yep. it's called brainwashing, right? <laughs> what about you, Ayesa? Are you inspired? You think we have reason to be optimistic? Yeah, um, I I do agree with Dina and Oyi. Uh, yeah, um, it's it's really all up to us, especially to reach out to the younger generation. This is what I like about teaching in the university, where I meet. You know, I I have the luxury of interacting with my students. You know, for in many cases we tend to underestimate the young people, but actually a lot of our uh, the, the younger generation they are highly opinionated. They're very talented, but it's all up to us how to shape that talent. I mean, one of the things that everybody has observed with this generation is that they are adept with the internet technology. One and second is that many of them are really crazy with uh, anime. Yes. <laughs> so, so to me, these two, these two paradigms, you know, it's for uh, as educators, we also need to explore these two paradigms. How do we make use of technology and you know anime, the anime culture, so that we can you know, get them more motivated into into peace work, into doing more um, uh, social service, you know, everywhere in the world because they, they do have that capacity. Yeah. You and Salma really have got to get together about this anime thing. For me, because, for me as, long also, as, it, as long as it's Ghibli, I'm good. But Naruto, Salma Ghibli, is already like... A, Ten years ago, I think, because today the 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 fa- uh, the the more popular one is One Piece. Ah, almost So you have no. new anime. Uh, yes, you <laughs> have new ones. You yes. have uh, Black Clover. You have um, ah, she's one showing piece. her knowledge. Okay, of course. Yes, knowing. Knowing how much you love anime, anime and how in anime the good always triumphs over the bad. Are you optimistic well, about well, the world? Well, I agree with uh, what has been said. Uh, the future rests upon the younger generation. So it's up to us, the older ones, to help guide them. Because if... Unless there there are strong guideposts, there there you can't expect them to be to reflect 
on concepts like peace because it's it's not their regular topic of conversation in the first place. But Ayesha, there's the sec the sequel of Naruto, Boruto the Sun. <laughs> and it's continuing. You know why why I why I focus on Naruto? Because it focuses on this very young a character who grows into adulthood. He was ostracized when he was young. He was an orphan, but he eventually heads the village and the coalition of villages. And it talks and it looks at the struggle. So education here is always mentioned, whether it's in the formal educational system or through experience. And uh, respecting traditions is also yeah embedded in 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 these animated features also i agree with amina you sh- everyone should always look at studio ghibli because mm. thank because, you uh, sister because the the uh the messages in all his uh, features focus on peace harmony environmental protection remember right. princess mononoke Yes, and, my favorite. And, and the futility of using armed aggression to right. to secure or protect your self-interest or even the interest of the community. So yes, uh, I agree with Ayesha definitely because the younger generation they they are animation, online, digital images. These are second nature to them already. It's their language. Mm-hmm. As as maybe we we grew up on Walt Disney, maybe on uh, Sesame Street, but they they grew up with, I, uh, Iba grew up with Voltes Five. I mean the, the the uh, people who are in the ages forty to fifty, they grew up with Transformer, Voltes Five. But the younger ones grew up with Bleach, Naruto, and the still the the ten ten year olds are now Black Clover. One Piece, One Punch Man. <laughs> I, you know, I, I have to read this anime because even when I teach in law school, my visuals use anime and manga. And it, <laughs> you and it, your law students are all into anime? Yes. Oh, wow. be, be, because they grew up on this and it immediately engages their interest. And it, uh, what is theoretical, I show them, look, do you remember this episode in so and so? Then they recall. So it it uh because you know law, you study a lot of uh, provisions boring. of law cases. It's so boring. So you've got to make some visual connection and that they can retain in their memory. And I use manga and anime. Oh, good. <laughs> that, that's that's sound strategy. Maybe maybe we should be doing the same thing, Oye, and having. Uh, anime for our illustrations. Jenny, what about you? Are you optimistic? Do we have reason to be optimistic about the shape of the world? I was, I was expecting that I would first be asked about anime because I got crazy about that as well when I was living in Japan <laughs> many, many years ago. And, uh, I remember there was this, we had this discussion with young people just, uh, I, I think, I think right before the pandemic. If anime actually has, you know, lessons about uh, world peace or peace, peace in general, um, it was a very spirited discussion because, you know, all these, 
all these stories from anime, you know, manga, um, it's quite brutal sometimes, you know, they can be very graphic when you look at it. And so, you know, parents, uh, especially uh, young parents are, you know, quite, quite at the, at the, at, at the, in the middle when it comes to maybe, um, limiting that or encouraging it. So, but to answer your question, you know, I, I'm, I always believe that perpetual optimism is a force multiplier. So, you know, on one hand, I, I think we have had gains over the past years, you know, especially when it comes to women's empowerment, making sure that women are, um, are in the, in the discussions, you know, occupying a seat or bringing a seat to the table if there are no seats and, Certainly you, Amina, with Oyi, and all of the women here have been instrumental in that. But we also have to look about new intersectional issues that are that, that, that we are faced with. So, of course, climate, you know, some people say we have a decade. Other people, other people say we have two years or even 16 months to, to turn it around before we can, before we fatally, you know, um, destroy this planet. So, that's a uh, that's a cause of urgency, and that really intersects with many many peace issues that we are faced today. And it's, certainly, it's gendered, and certainly women have to be at the forefront. But I believe also in intergenerational talks, intergenerational solutions. So yes, of course, we want to include young people. That's that. I mean, that's been you know the call for for quite a long time. But I'm worried actually about. Uh, more, especially now, about women who have been at the forefront of peace initiatives, and then they retire, and then society thinks, okay, they're done, which is which is unfortunate because this is like a wealth of you know wisdom that has been accumulated over the years. You know the work that they've been doing, and some some of them are not documented because some of them are you know in. Uh, traditional societies or, you know, from indigenous groups. So they're not, they're not captured in written form or in a podcast, certainly, but there's a lot of uh, wisdom uh, there and knowledge. So I I think it's very important that we have these discussions from very young people, but also those who have said, okay, I'm going to retire, but that doesn't mean that the next chapter will not come. So we have to get these conversations going, definitely. You know what? All all of... um your optimism and the reasons for it and the various strategies to really help secure the peace our communities uh, want and deserve. Make I suppose it, it would make our listeners understand why women are so crucial to peace and security. And it also, I guess, drives home the point why the leaders of uh, ASEAN, the Association of Southeast Asian Nations, has finally kind of gone to the page that says, okay, let's have a regional plan of action for women, peace, and security, because women seem to be com- you know, contributing a lot more than, uh, I guess, state uh, security forces do to secure the peace. I mean, you made secure the state with uh, arms, but you cannot secure the peace. I love this, uh, sorry, I just love this quote and I I can't get it out of my head uh, because we're talking about quotes. I remember um, years before we were in this uh, young leadership uh, conference and one of our speakers said, and that was her, you know, her first salvo. She said, when you educate a man, you educate an individual. (laughs) 
when you educate a woman, you educate a generation. And I think that's always like what I hold on to. And that this is the reason why, you know, she talks peace um, is very, very important. And building peace with ICANN, uh, with PCIT and all of these partners is very, very important as well. That's good. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm glad you, you brought that up because it seems to me that uh, most of us in this group right now conversing, at one time or another, we have been educators. Oye being the lead educator in the group uh, yeah. with uh, with Miriam with Miriam College uh, retired educator but once an educator never. you once an educator never you never stop right being yeah. an educator so uh, i agree with you completely jenny but as dina normally says time flies <laughs> and and we are again <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, good I mean, one hour. You know yeah. how many yeah. podcasts you have done in one year? Well, I'll follow because up. I cannot, uh, you know, there's so many. I'm just guessing yeah. that it might be a hundred or so. not yet. It feels it feels like that, but no. I guess yeah. that was episode um, fifty. So last week was episode fifty, and this is episode fifty-one. The start. For the wow, the yeah, 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 year. So it's um, I'm really sad that we're starting the next leg uh, without uh, Dina. Thank you so very much, Dina, for being with the journey for the past year. And I'm I'm glad you said uh, it's a journey, so that uh, I can share with you an Irish blessing while you're on your journey. May the road rise up to meet you. May the wind be ever at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face and the rain fall softly on your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. So, this, so Dina, say goodbye to our friends and our audience. All right. Very, very soon. Very, very soon, Dina. Singal. I'll luck. see you all soon. See you, Dina. Okay? Bye. Okay. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. And happy happy anniversary. anniversary. Thank you. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Happy one year. Yeah. Happy one year. Happy anniversary. See you next time, Dina. See you all soon. This is Aminara School from the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy saying thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us. Thank you to our fabulous guests and our even more fabulous Dina Zaman of Iman Research Malaysia. Bye and see you next week. She Talks Peace is brought to you in partnership with Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics the easiest way to monetize your podcast. For more information, check out their website at podcastnetwork.asia and podmetrics.co. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia 
the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.